0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, welcome to Health Check. I'm Joyce Steele, a senior health correspondent with The Straits Times. October is World Mental Health Month, and we will be talking about peer support groups. These are groups run by peers or people with a history of mental health challenges for the benefit of others looking for mental health support. Peer support involves giving and receiving support. It is the care that a person living with mental health conditions provides to another person in recovery. My guests for this month are from Resilience Collective, a mental health charity that is now focusing on monthly peer support groups for young people aged 18 to 35. In today's episode, we'll be talking to Min, who is in a peer support group with Teo Kuo Xiang, the charity's assistant manager of programs, to find out how a peer support group works and how it has helped them. Hello, Min. Hi, Guoxiang. Thanks for joining us in the studio today. Hello. Hello.
1: (laughs) Very happy to be here today. Guoxiang, so
0: can you briefly tell us about Resilience Collective?
1: Okay, so Resilience Collective, right, if you hear me mentioning about this during the session, usually we refer ourselves as R.C. Our main programs are some of our peer support groups and also some other programs like the human libraries that we have for our peers. So we actually believe in supporting our peers to thrive and live an authentic life, you know, by building peer-driven communities. So we encourage our peers to be able to share authentically during these sessions and then receive support from each other. And thriving, we want them to be able to kind of recover beyond baseline, find find a sense of meaning. With their lived experience and their mental challenges. Okay. So in this podcast we'll look at specifically at peer support groups, right? So how many years have RC been running it? So we have been running it for over a year, the peer support groups, and then currently we have six of them. Mm, are they only for people who are diagnosed with a mental health condition
0: or anyone struggling with their mental health condition?
1: No, they're not just for peers who actually have a diagnosed condition, but rather if you experience form of mental health challenges, then you feel that you actually need support from a community, then we also encourage
2: peers to join us.
0: Right,
1: okay, let's get to Min, right? Min, you're a participant
0: in a
2: peer support group, right? So before we start, can you briefly introduce yourself? Hi Joyce, I'm glad to be here. Yes, people call me Min and I'm 25 this year. I'm actually a nurse by profession. I graduated from Nguyen Poly, but I'm an aspiring counsellor as of now. Other than that, I've, I have used to volunteer a lot, but I'm on a sabbatical due to my mental health challenges. But having said that, yeah, as jx said, I'm part of Circle of Resilience as a peer support member, and I'm very glad to be part of CR, actually.
0: Okay, okay, so tell us about that. I mean, what type of group is that?
2: Well, thank you for the question. The term itself, peer support group, means that to support each other, peers, people who have gone through similar life experience, and I innately believe that when I first sought out CR, I was trying to find a platform where I can feel safe. A group of people that, you know, could possibly understand what I'm going through too. And and I uh, you, you don't feel uh alienated or different or maybe there's a there's a short of misunderstanding because you're not in the same place. So when, when I found CR, that was the thing that I was looking for, you know? People that have been through similar experiences and a space where you can be whoever you need to be, yet at the same time not being, uh, how to say, it? judged. Yeah, that's the word, judged. Yeah, I think the whole uh, objective of CI is to give a space where you are not judged at all.
0: Right. Yeah. So, what kind of experiences are those? I mean, what are your mental health challenges? Can you share them with us?
2: Yeah, of course. Sure. Uh, thank you for the question. I am actually diagnosed with panic disorder and PTSD. So, just to go on a hindsight, what it actually entails is that individuals with panic disorder struggles with managing their panic episodes or anxiety episodes. And usually they will uh, have physical symptoms that are paralyzing or they can be also to a point where it uh, it will make you feel very afraid to go about your daily life. And then that's where therapy comes in and medications comes in. Uh, For PTSD, it's very broad. For me, I had a a complicated childhood. My parents were divorced and then I, I moved from foster family to foster family. And then uh, I went through some turbulence in my early childhood years which shaped how I am as an adult. I see. So when did you discover all this? must have been quite a struggle then. The funny thing is, I actually never intentionally sought to get a diagnosis. But I think when I was juggling school, work and uh, social life, I realised I was feeling very cooped up in my headspace. And it was like you wanted to understand what's going on with, with your mind, your body. So I went to see a psychologist at a polyclinic first. Uh, and then the psychologist told me that I, they, she's, she's going to refer me to the psychiatrist at IMH. And then the journey went from there. And then after one year of appointments, I finally got a diagnosis, which wasn't well received because as a nurse, I didn't want any form of labels on me. It would definitely affect my career or my prospect in my life. But I've learned to live with it and not let it define who I am as a person. Yeah, just one part of me. Right. So how old were you when you got your diagnosis? Oh, finally, it's doing COVID actually.
0: Oh, so just yeah. very recently. Yeah,
2: 2021, yeah.
0: I see. Yeah. Okay, you're already struggling with some of these issues, right?
2: Yeah. But, but you never thought yeah. of seeking
0: help Uh. until later.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, finally, if if you've been noticing, the MRT always had this advertisement, you know, are you asking the right support? You know, MOH put out all this poster that is calling me, you know, seek help, seek help. Then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should really seek help. So at that point, what were you struggling with? If I could uh, recall, I think it was something to do with my uh, relationship with people. It was affecting how I manage my, my expectations of my loved ones, friends, romantic partners. And it always seemed that I'm expecting them to save me. And it becomes an emotional burden on them. And then I I just project everything and because I feel upset, angry. It it seems that they are my punching bag. And I find that's a bit irresponsible. So I intentionally wanted to be a better person. And I didn't want to use my mental health uh, predicaments as an excuse to escape from being a regular person with uh, some emotional maturity.
0: Right, okay. So when you join a peer support group like that, what do you typically do
2: in the session? Well, one of the things I really like about RCCR is that we have a community guideline. It's like a set of uh, rules, you know? Something to abide to, like an an oath that we pledge to protect each other. And one of it is something to do with respect and uh, the privacy, you know? The peer shares this in that confined wall, the glass wall. I feel like that's something that we need. and because in the relationships that I have with people, usually we don't tell our friends or our family, oh, these are my boundaries, you know. But in CR, it's established that, you know, you should observe this, this, and that. And it helps to facilitate a healthy, safe environment for everybody to share without feeling fearful that their story may end up somewhere else. So on a typical CR, I, I we go for Monday CR, me and GX. We will see a circle. And we'll start with a mental health check-in. And that's something that is very beneficial. You get to see how is everybody doing or how have they been in the past one month. There will be a bot and you you put your name on which level you are at. The first level being you're feeling very good. I'm great. And then goes down. Uh, I'm good. I'm not doing so good. Meh. I need help or I'm in a very dark space. So this identification of your mental health mood status allow people to tell the entire CR that I'm feeling this or that without having to actually go from A to Z about what they are going through the entire month.
0: Okay, I had the impression that you sit around and then everybody will tell their story.
2: Yeah, it, it will be an option, but uh, nobody's at an uh, obligation to share it. So what it does is that that board uh, allows a sense of safety and also like, I see you, I see that you are going through something. And when everybody comes to the circle, it's like, if you need to talk, you know I'm here. You know we are here. That's just the feeling, that the vibe that I always feel whenever I go to CR.
0: I see. That sounds amazing. So before you start, you actually kind of know how everybody's feeling. Yeah, through the board. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Guo you're also part of the group, right? And I yep. see that you're actually GX now. Okay. Mm, yes, <laughs> I'm quite... actually GX. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the, the sessions, right? I mean, how are they structured? And Min mentioned all those safeguards. I mean, mm. are they fixed for every session or
1: do they change? So, actually, the community agreement is administered across. It applies to all our community members who are part of the circus of Resilience, the CRS. And I think the main objective is really, as you mentioned, to set the boundaries, to create a space that is safe so that our members all feel safe enough to be sharing their deepest thoughts. The topics that we want our members to actually be sharing about right, is beyond what is, uh Google-able. You know, we want them to be able to talk about their experiences, to hear from another peer's experiences and learn from them. Because recovery is not done in isolation, you know. So you actually need to learn from others because when we actually try to manage our own narratives, then there can be blind spots. We can spiral. We can ruminate onto the same thoughts. So we actually, uh, a big thing is we encourage authenticity within the group itself. We actually Encourage our members to actively show empathy towards other members of the group.
0: Okay, so if I go for a session and I see all these rules, right, and then one of them says respect,
1: like, what does it mean? We will tell them, what does it mean by showing respect within the CR group itself, which is to allow your other members to share and acknowledge that there can be differences of opinions, feelings, you know, what might work for me, might not work for another member, I kind of have to respect that. And in a way, it's also to uh, understand that we do not provide unsolicited advice to another member. You know, if my member is here just to share an experience, he's not asking for an advice on how to solve his situation when we don't do that.
0: And if people do that, what do you do then? Okay, let's say somebody is new and then comes in and then, you know, out of goodwill, Mm. try to offer various suggestions.
1: Yeah, many times when peers share advice and coping strategies or whatnot, it's mostly well-intended. The heart. Is always good when they share that. But when it comes across as unsolicited advice, then we will actually gently remind the peer of the community agreement, the need to hold space for each other. If another member is asking for advice, then uh, let the other member voice out the need for that before sharing the advice.
0: Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Now back to my conversation with Min and Guo Xiang, who are both in a peer support group at Resilience Collective. Mm, I see. Okay. Eh, So Guo Xiang, tell us about your story because you're also, I mean, like, you know, you're a peer, you're a Mm. staff here. And is that why you joined? RC.
1: So my story, yeah, I'm actually a peer, like me, just that uh, I'm not diagnosed. Mm. I actually uh, seek help by seeing a therapist, counsellor. And uh, that's caused a large part of my childhood, maybe because of Asian parenting also, I suffer from uh, very low self-worth and very low confidence, especially when I'm constantly being put in comparison with my elder siblings. So uh, as years pass, right? I start to hold things in more and more and then there is a lack of ability to actually connect with other people and the negative self-thought about my own self-worth gets stronger and stronger and when that happens, you overcompensate by working harder, by doing more, by being nicer to people. Yeah, and that's until when I had a very toxic boss in my previous workplace. So that caused the manifestation of a lot of my negative self-thoughts and my negative self-worth that I spiraled down. What happened was that I probably wasn't able to manage my boss well enough. And then it created a lot of tension between me and my supervisor. I would go to work uh, feeling a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. Then I would actually sit in front of my computer and then I'll be staring at my work. But I would not be able to like kind of type anything or kind of process my thoughts. And I would be rereading through an email that I've drafted that has been vetted, let's say, by my own manager, right? I'll be rereading it 10 times, 20 times, but refusing just to click the send button. I will feel like it's a crime to leave the office because I am not entitled to rest. And I would then go to work every day and it kind of repeats for months, close to a year. Right. So at what point did you decide to seek help? So the start of my help-seeking journey was quite interesting. So, interesting in a way that I started my help-seeking at RC. That was when I had a conversation with my current supervisor. And then he actually saw noticeable changes in behaviour in me in terms of the things I, I say, the way I'm saying things, the way I'm communicating with people, the words that I'm using. And it seems that I had no control. So what was difficult and scary for me at a point of time, uh, having that conversation was to tell myself and get myself to admit that I am no longer in control. I'm no longer in control of my thoughts and my emotions. And that's scary. But at the same time, I have that awareness that I have been battling certain demons within myself for many years, 10 over years. And I know that myself. So when they were, my managers were speaking to me about the need to seek help, it was difficult to accept that I needed that. Because that's kind of like accepting defeat. So on the side you note, know, I play games, right? So that's like, oh, you lost the game. You've been trying so hard at it, right? You lost the game and all that years of effort meant nothing. At the moment, I kind of lost it. So you couldn't accept it? It was it was a bitter pill to Solo. It was very, very bitter.
0: Right. So how interesting. That means you had this episode and then you quit your job, join RC. Yeah. And then realise that there is all this help that you can get. Mm, yeah. but, but when you join RC, because it is a mental health charity, mm. you know that they have
1: all these things already. I mean, were you already considering it? I was considering, but I didn't want to because to me, seeking help meant defeat. So... I didn't want to admit defeat. So in a sense, when it happened, I felt like I really lost it. There was no way that I could continue fighting without getting help. So it was an interesting conversation where I told my managers, I'd be like, why don't you just fix the appointment for me? Like, I'll just go. <laughs> <laughs> I leave my life in your hands. <laughs> just do <laughs> it for me. Yeah. yeah. So what were some of the issues that you realized that you have? The interesting thing about it is that you just uncover more and more issues with yourself as you progress through therapy. So for myself, there were a lot of inner child issues, but there was also a lot of trauma from my previous job. So how did um,
0: you know, being in a peer support group help you then? Okay, let's like say if you feel a little down and you just want to share how you're feeling today and you tell your friends about it, you know, how is it different from going to a peer support group sessions
1: and telling the other peers about it? Let me use uh, what he shared. said as an example just for so he said that there's a mental checking board, you know, then you can see where everybody is, and what how it helped me was that at, on days where you really are not feeling the best, and then you you go into the mental checking board, then you realize that you're actually not alone, maybe somebody is also here with you, and also not feeling the best, and I think a large part of my journey was trying to cope with it in isolation. And so being in the peer support group where we intentionally create the safe space for authentic conversations to happen, right? I can share authentically with the peers what's been going on and why am I feeling a certain way. And we're very open about the struggles that we have, even as a staff member. You know, I will go into the sessions to share how's my day been, how's my week been, how difficult it has been for me. And when members of the peer support group they are able to relate, they understand or they've been in similar situations, they actually hear you. That's where I then feel like my recovery will not be in isolation anymore because I have my group with me.
0: Right, so mean what about you then? How have the sessions
1: helped you?
2: Well, I'll add on to what Jack said. Uh is when you talk to people with similar backgrounds, you feel understood. And this this goes with my how I would say my personal motto, right? We heal in the conversations we feel heard in. Right, oftentimes, healing is not a, a a process where you go through alone, but in a community, and that's exactly what CR is all about. Actually, in fact, when I look at it, right, CR is actually an informal community care. Right, it is not a hospital, it's not a therapy session. No, it not does it intend to replace medication or your primary treatment services at the hospital. So what it does is it gives you a all-rounded 24-7 support, you know. We we don't just meet up doing CR every once a month, but we have a group chat for people to just, uh, you know, update their progress, their their, their milestones. And it's not always about their downside of their mental health issues. It's like a, I would say, a family. A family of people with all kinds of stories that have the hope that things will get better. And that's the shared purpose for everyone to live our... More fulfilling life rather than to be defined by the downside of their mental health issues.
1: You
0: see, that's interesting. How many people are in the group?
1: So, in one CR group, we have a maximum up to twenty uh, members. So, this will be in the WhatsApp group. So, when people come and share in the sessions,
0: right? Are there rules like um, you know, whether you can actually post some of the
1: information shared? So, within the session itself, it's okay to talk about uh, what our peers really want to talk about. Uh, their experiences and always we, ex- we encourage them to share as authentically as they can but at the same time also respect the confidentiality of the group in a way that what is being shared by the members in the group should remain within the group for example if Min shares something with me today and I find the story wonderful the experience his insights wonderful and I wanted to share with somebody else then I would have to seek Min's consent if not then I shouldn't and this is a collective agreement.
0: So GX, what would you say to a young person who's keen to find out more about peer support? You know, are there some things that they should be aware of before coming in?
1: I think the f- first thing is to maybe ask themselves the question if they're actually ready for peer support because not everybody is ready in a sense that not everybody is ready for therapy, for example. I wasn't ready for a long time. So on the end, they also then have to know if they're ready for peer support In a way, you'll be in a group, you see. So there has to be some form of social interaction. And so you must be ready to communicate your difficulties and to engage with people. So sometimes if, take for example, if somebody is struggling from high social anxiety, then it's also for them to ask themselves if you're ready for this, you want to try this. That's going to be hard, I think, for somebody with social anxiety. Mm. But of course, we then have uh, certain things that we will do to communicate with the peers, how we can best support them during the session itself.
0: Right. That's great. Thanks for your time today, um, Min and GX.
2: Appreciate your sharing. Happy to be here too. Thank you very much for letting me be here.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The Streets Times. I'm Joyce too. Don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read my articles, we have links in the podcast text description below.